grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We are walking through the Gospel of Luke and we are getting near the end. We're in Luke chapter 22 and uh, we are close. Jesus has been betrayed by Judas. It's a running joke in our family. My kids will say, Dad, what are you preaching on Sunday? And the answer is always, Jesus. I'm preaching on Jesus. What else do I preach about? I preach about Jesus every Sunday. I have one sermon. I just preach it a hundred different ways. I preach about Jesus. People ask me, how do you you come up with ideas what to preach on? I preach on Jesus. That's all I do. Except today. Today, I'm preaching on Judas. Or how not to be like Judas. Might be a better way to put it. There are actually eight different people in the New Testament named Judas. So from here on out, when they introduce themselves, they'll be saying, hi, my name's Judas, not that Judas. Because there aren't too many Judases running around anymore, which is quite fascinating. A whole lot likely to see here a lot more uh, Bartholomew's than Judas from this point on. A lot of people named Peter. How many you know a Peter? Everybody knows a Peter. No Judases. Unless you're a fan of, you know, Judas Priest, the band. But other than that, there are no Judases. Which is sad. Because there could be. There easily could be. When you read the Gospel of Luke, and this is one of the great things about studying Luke all the way through, not piecemeal, but going section by section, is that Luke paints Peter in a worse light than Judas. It's true. Chapter 22, verse 31, Jesus predicts that Peter will deny even knowing him. It starts right there. In verse 39, even giving such a dire and important warning, Jesus takes Peter and two others and says, pray so that you will not fall into temptation. And you think Peter would be like, this guy just said I was going to do something really bad tonight. I better pray. And Peter falls asleep falls asleep. When Jesus needs him most, Peter takes a nap. Judas comes and betrays Jesus with a kiss. And then in verse 54, Peter denies even knowing Jesus. According to Luke, who really failed? History paints Judas in a much worse light. Peter. Peter's just as culpable. We have hundreds of thousands of Peters. We have no more Judases. And the reason is one repentant. That's it. That's the reason. Peter repented. Judas felt bad, but he didn't repent. How many relationships have been restored because one person repented? How many marriages reunited? How many siblings going back to the family reunion together again? How many friendships restored? Because one person said, I'm sorry. Jesus came to reconcile us to God that we might have a ministry of reconciliation. 
And there are a few things in this world that we do that are more important than repenting. And so this morning we'll be talking about repentance. It's the key. And not just for Peter, but for all of us. In fact, Martin Luther put it this way. He kicked off the Reformation with 95 theses, right? He takes 95 statements, 95 arguments, nails them to the church door in Wittenberg, Germany. Don't do that here. The doors are glass. It's not going to go well. But that's what Luther did. And the first of those 95 theses was this. Our Lord and Master Jesus Christ willed the entire life of believers to be a life of repentance. How many of you have watched someone in public repent? Right? It's become the art form now. In fact, there was a TED talk on how to repent publicly to get just the right emotion out and get the right Q, get your Q score higher increased again. Art repenting. There is. That's not what God's talking about. Because repentance isn't feeling bad because you got caught. That's not repentance. That's feeling bad because you got caught, but if you didn't get caught, well, you probably wouldn't feel all that bad. My dog repented like that. My dog would steal food like you wouldn't believe. I was one time, I had a bagel in my hand, and I was talking to my wife. My dog reaches up, grabs it, takes off. And I'd say the same thing, Molly. And she'd be like, she'd get her hands down. She'd do like the, the Rain Man routine. You know, I'm bad. I'm such a bad. I'm bad. Charlie Babbitt. I'm bad. I'm bad. I'm bad. Bad, bad, bad. 92. I'm bad. I'm bad. Right? And be like, oh, you get the bagel back. No, no. And, and I would put it, put it down again because I'm stupid. <laughs> Dog's got that bagel. That dog ate a whole block of while we were camping. That's not repentance. Repentance is not feeling so bad that you feel like you've earned forgiveness. That's not repentance either. Some people believe, I feel so badly for what I've done, I must be forgiven. Because I've earned it. Because I've repented really powerful. I even cried. That's not what happens. Tim Keller puts it this way. He says this. Legalistic remorse says I broke God's rules. While real repentance says I broke God's heart. The goal of repentance is not to get rid of the consequences. The goal of repentance is not to make other people think better of you. The goal of repentance is to restore a relationship. George Whitfield, uh, the great Methodist preacher back in the 1800s, said this. God, give me a deep humility, a burning love, a well-guided zeal, and a single eye. And then let men and devils do their worst. And George Whitfield used that as a tool for his, his nightly Every night he would, he would kind of take an inventory of the day and he would confess his sins today for that day 
his evening devotion prayers. He says, Lord God, give me a deep humility. And oftentimes we sin by thinking too little of others or too much of others' opinions of us. And we're not just stung by criticism, we're easily stung by criticism. And this is an area I struggle with. I remember a criticism I was given when I was in sixth grade. I still remember it. That's sad. So God says, well, give us a deep humility. Give us a deep humility. So that I look at others and I think better of them. At the same time, God's opinion of me matters more than others' opinion. It's a proper humility. It's a proper righteousness. And so sometimes we've we got to pray that we would know God's grace. We'd know God's grace to eliminate selfish pride. We could truly say, chief of sinners, though I be, Jesus shed his blood for me. Instead of what we so often say, chief of sinners, though I be, at least I'm not that guy. Because that was the Give us a burning love. A burning love that we repent of any spoken or thought that goes unkindly to another person. You notice that it's really easy to be patient with someone who's above you. It's really hard to be patient with someone who's below you. I was at Starbucks the other day. Those poor baristas. Oh my goodness. Sometimes people treat them like a whipping mule. All right, this is what I want. This is what I want. This is all that I want. I want decaf, half-calf, espresso, light on the cream, extra hot, no cup. <laughs> That's all I want. You're right. Really? Are you serious? Let's take a coffee. In fact, I'll take a beer now after doing that one. Sheesh. Give us a burning love. It's hard to be patient with some folks. I still remember when I was growing up, there's there this kid in my class, his name was Brett. And Brett and I were mortal enemies. In fact, to this day, if I hear someone whose name is Brett, I'm like, it's a horrible name. Your grandson's bread. I'm no, I'm so sorry. I like your bread. He's very nice bread. I like bread. I like your bread. But this other kid, this other he was like a foot taller than me in first grade. And we would fight. I remember coming home crying because of bread. I remember my, my mom saying, just ignore him, Jason. Just ignore him. My dad pulling me aside saying, if he does it again, you punch him right in the nose, all right? He won't mess with you after that. You just punch him right in the nose. I'm like, I can't reach his nose. <laughs> Brett left the school in third grade. I went back and came back. We ended up going to the same high school. First day of ninth grade, you're nervous because you're going to a new high school. Walk in class, there's Brett. And he's still a foot taller than me. <clears throat> oh, my goodness. You've got to be kidding. And I talked to another kid. I'm like, you remember that guy? That guy's a jerk. 
They said, oh, well, let me tell you what's been going on in his life. He had it rough. Brett had it rough. Sometimes it's hard to be patient with people. But you never know how far they've grown. Some of them have grown immensely. They just had a rougher home situation, growing up in situations. You just never know. God encourages us to put the best construction on everything. Pray for wise courage. Wise courage. Sometimes we repent not of what we've done or thought or said, but of what we've left undone and not said. Give us a wise courage, Lord. Help us to speak the truth in love. Help us to do those tasks we're afraid to do. Help us to confront people we might be in fear of. Help us to ask tough questions. You want to ask a tough question? Ask your spouse this question. What's it like to be married to me? If your spouse loves you, he'll tell you. Lovingly, gently. (laughs) I'll never forget. It's my first year as a pastor. And uh, super excited. Was at this church in California and uh, going gangbusters. Just jumped into it full force. And man, I was doing great. Working hard. And Christmas came. And I'm I'm horrible at giving gifts. I'm, I'm just... Horrible. I don't like to think about it. I'm not. Some people have the art of gift giving. They know how to give the right gift. It's really important to that person. You know, I don't have that gift. And so I asked my wife, "What would you like for Christmas?" Just tell me. I'll go get it. I'm happy to. Do it. I would love to do that. And she said, "This is what I want for Christmas. I want you to buy me a calendar. And in pen, in ink, so you can't erase it. I want you to schedule one date a month." And you will go find the babysitter. And you will take me out of this house and these two babies who can't stop pooping. Friends, when your wife asks you that for Christmas, it's time to repent. Time to repent. It's a wise courage, Lord. It's a wise courage to, to see your heart see where God is calling us, not to, to repent of what we've done, or thought, or said, but what we've left undone. Those good deeds God puts before us and says, here's an opportunity to serve, and we've gone, Lord God, I can't, I'm too busy, my life is too crazy, I couldn't possibly serve. I've done that, Lord, I've, didn't, I've done my time, I've served my time, I'm, I'm done with that, someone else can do that now. There's one word in the Bible that doesn't exist. It's not in the Bible. You'll never find it. It's retirement. It's not in the Bible. God will use you, and then he'll call you home for his glory and for his purposes. Pray for godly motivations. Are you more concerned about God's glory or your own? What drives you? What gets you up out of bed in the morning? 
be honored or acknowledged or to be approved of, seek comfort or ease or praise. Find that you're easily envious of others, envious of others at all. Is the grass always greener on that other side of the hill? Pray this. Pray that you would know the joy of Christ's love for you. Know the joy of Christ's love for you. And that he would make you wise to steer clear of things or people that pull you away from him. This here's the core idea. Jesus Christ died and rose for you. Jesus Christ died and rose for you. And if Judas had known that, he would have come back to Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, I am so sorry. I broke your heart. And Jesus would have said the same words he said to Peter, feed my sheep. And relationship would have been restored. My friends, God wants you to know Him and to know His love for you, to know His forgiveness for you, to know His joy for you. My prayer is this, is that we would follow Martin Luther's advice to Philip and Lincoln, which is this, sin boldly. Sin boldly but love God more boldly still. Love God more boldly still. And when God brings you to your knees, repent. Not because you should, but because you've broken the heart of one who loves you so much and gave his life to restore that relationship. that you can have the ministry of reconciliation. So you can help reconcile others to God. But you can't do that until you know God's love for you. And you can't do that until God's love for you has driven you to your knees on a regular basis. And on your knees you say, Lord Jesus, forgive me, sinner. And Jesus, in his great mercy and his great love, says to you, you are forgiven. Be my sheep. Be my sheep. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord, for life everlasting. Amen.